Despite no deer and fox in this one, the Kings light the beam as they win 123-108 against the Pelicans, who were also missing a few guys, but the Kings were able to get revenge for the game last month when they lost by 32 against the shorthanded Pelicans. They were also without Fox in that game, but uh, nice to get the revenge from that game. That game against the Pelicans last month was was probably the worst game the Kings have played all season. So, good to kind of wash that away. I think this was a pretty big game for the Kings to win. And the reason I say that is because, first of all, it's coming off a loss. Even though that loss was not that big of a deal. Because that loss was coming off a five-game win streak. But more so because you're not going on a losing streak. But also because of the schedule that's coming up. The schedule that's coming up is extremely tough. The next three games are against very good teams, and this was the most winnable game of these four games. The next three games are against New York, Phoenix, and then Milwaukee, all very good teams. Fox had a left hamstring issue. He was a game-time decision. I assume he'll be back for the game against the Knicks because Mike Brown said if this was a playoff game, he would have been playing. But uh, it's good to get him rest. Now he has two extra days of rest coming up. And then the TNT game against the Knicks. This was a game where the Kings defense looked much, much better than it had in the past couple of games. Especially against uh, better than that game against the Timberwolves. I thought they came out and looked a lot more active. They forced a lot more deflections. They were forcing turnovers. They forced 16 turnovers uh, from the Pelicans. And they were still at times uh, allowing them to drive a little too easily off their closeouts. And the Pelicans were getting to the paint. Valanciunas was a problem down low. But I still think the effort and activity was much better than we'd seen in the past couple of games. Kevin Herter continues to play really well. And so that is very encouraging, him getting hot at the right times. He had 25 points in this game, 8 assists. He had 2 steals. He was actually very good defensively. Uh, he wasn't terrible one-on-one. You know, he was. he's normally really bad guarding one-on-one. But in this game, he was a little better, and then he was really active off-ball, getting deflections. He had a block, 2 steals. And... He was 6 for 10 from the three-point line, so that is very nice to see, especially with Keegan Murray not really being able to find his stroke in this game. He hit two, but was two for eight. But Kevin Herter just stepping up and doing a lot of the playmaking responsibilities that obviously need to be made up for with Fox out, him, and Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell played really well in this game as well. He came out looking confident in his three-point shot. He went three for four from three. And I was thinking, you know, he he needs to attack more, even though his three-point shot was going down and he's hitting it with confidence, and that's great, but he does need to attack more. And then I thought as the game went on, he kept attacking more. Uh, And I mean, I, I would like to even see him go at the rim even more than he did, but there were a few times. He went to the rim, got a couple layups, So that's good to see. He had a really good offensive game as well as being very good defensively on C.J. McCollum, 
holding McCollum to only 14 points in this game. The first half was very back and forth. The Pelicans had, I think, up to a seven-point lead. The Kings had, I think, up to an eight-point lead and it ended tied. But then it was the third quarter where the Kings made the big run, and they did it uh, a lot through their defense. They went to a 2-3 zone, which was very, very effective. You know, obviously, I, I don't know how much you can run a zone, right? Like, I don't know how long that can be effective, but it was effective for a good portion of the third quarter and was forcing the Pelicans into outside shots or just tough shots in inside or in the mid-range. And I thought the activity and communication looked really good. The rotations were really good. So that's extremely encouraging after what we saw against Minnesota, which was just really bad. So it's nice to see a zone work. And obviously, I think teams had kind of figured out the Kings defense. Like, obviously, the Kings are not a good defensive team. But even still, there were things to, that other teams could figure out about their defense. And teams were figuring it out. So the Kings defense was becoming even less effective than it already was. You could see that through just all of the skip passes that were happening to the corner. I mean, every possession of last game was a skip pass to the corner. And even in this game, there were a few of them. You could tell that these teams are figuring out what the weaknesses are in the Kings defense. And it's those rotations to the corners after they trap off a, off pick and rolls. They can just, the ball handler can just rise up, throw a skip pass to the corner. And that is what they kind of took away with that zone. So it's a good counter to teams kind of exploiting the Kings' man defense. But even the man defense was better in this game than it had been for a while. And then offensively, I what I really liked about the third quarter, and, and even in at the start of the second quarter, they went on a big run as well, and they did it through attacking the paint. And Sabonis had like three straight buckets inside uh, in the third quarter. And then it was just a lot of attacking the paint and not relying on just super hot three-point shooting. You know, because they would get a, a three here from Kevin Herter, a three there from Trey Lyles. But it they weren't just relying on super hot shooting from everyone. It was about attacking the paint, getting it in, inside to Sabonis. Or even that Trey Lyles to Metu little two-man game inside where Lyles would drive into the paint and then just dish it off to Metu, who would be able to have really good position due to Trey Lyles drawing the defense. Trey Lyles drops it off to him, and then Metu can just get the easy shot from really close in. And we saw that like three times in this game, and I really liked how Trey Lyles was being extremely patient when he was driving to the rim, not just forcing it going full speed because he realized if he got past his man or even slightly had him on his hip, that's going to force other defenders to come. And he, if he just is patient enough and waits, something will open up. And it always did to Chemezi Metu there for the easy bucket. Lyles was just extremely good in this game, even only hitting one three, one for four from three, but he had four assists, 14 points, had five 
five rebounds, all of them defensive rebounds, which was something the Kings needed because the rebounding wasn't great. They were, they allowed a few offensive rebounds, uh, but uh, they also got their own offensive rebounds. Sabonis was dominating the offensive glass at, at points of this game. Sabonis had five offensive rebounds and then six defensive rebounds. Uh, but there were still times where the Kings got caught uh, on the glass, but it was encouraging to see Kevin Herter with five rebounds, but still three rebounds from Barnes, three from Keegan Murray, one from Davion Mitchell. There still needs to be more, more rebounding there. And I think where this team in the future will probably improve is through adding a power forward in the starting lineup, like in the future, in the future years coming is having Keegan Murray be the three and then adding a guy who can block shots and rebound as the four. And that's why it would be nice to have Jared Vanderbilt. That's why I really wanted Jared Vanderbilt to now have to see him doing really well for the Lakers. So that hurts. Sabonis in the first half put up his normal like six and five and five. It wasn't exactly those numbers, but you know, just the classic Sabonis line. And then in the second half, he came out and in that third quarter was like scoring or assisting on every play in that, in the start of the third quarter and got his triple double pretty quickly with 19, 11 and 11. He had six turnovers, which obviously isn't great, but I didn't think it was that bad. And nobody else on the team was really turning it over. Davion had one, Lyles had one, and then Malik had two. And Malik's two turnovers were very odd, just because he came, it was right when he came into the game, and he just, you know, you never quite know what Malik you're going to get. And in this one, it was definitely, at the start, was chaotic Malik. He was just kind of chucking the ball around. It was weird, not even really close to a teammate, just two straight turnovers. But he cleaned it up from there. And it took him a while to get on the the score sheet, but he did end it with 11 points. And he just didn't need to do much in this game. And normally, if he's not going offensively, especially with Fox out, that would spell trouble for our offense. But the bench unit was doing a really good job of moving the ball. And a lot of the bench unit success was coming from Trey Lyles. Uh, making things happen and driving inside. I already mentioned that Keegan was struggling from three a bit, but he kept shooting, and he was also doing pretty well at other things. I thought he gave a valiant effort guarding Brandon Ingram. You know, he struggled to stay in front of him at times, but I thought he did a fine job. And then offensively, he, he keeps showing just new things. Like every time... I come on here. He's showing something different. And last game was his first career game with zero points, but he did bounce back from that and had one nice play where in transition, he had the ball was dribbling up the court and he could have very easily just immediately passed the ball to Trey Lyles, which I feel like is something he would have done earlier in his career. But instead he waited, was patient, let the defender have to step up to him as he kept dribbling and then hit Trey Lyles on the cut for the easy 
dunk or layup or whatever it was. And then he had the nice snatch bag dribble into a, a midi. And he was also attacking the paint, had some good passes. And so that's his passing is something that was just really non-existent earlier in the season. So it's good to see him being able to make uh, better reads when he's attacking the basket. Harrison Barnes had his third technical of his career, his first since uh, his rookie season. And it was when he clearly got fouled by Brandon Ingram and uh, wanted the and one and just yelled, that's an and one <laughs> right at the ref, which it's just wild that he gets a technical for that. He, I don't know if he dropped the F-bomb with it, but it really, it doesn't even matter. I don't know how that's a technical with all the other stuff that gets said. It like Barnes doesn't yell at people ever, but uh, yeah, that, that was kind of funny. And then in the fourth quarter, the Kings did a good job of just kind of putting it away immediately. I mean, they didn't extend it to like 25 or 30, but they kept it right around the 20 mark. And so if you keep it around the 20 mark for the first few minutes of the fourth quarter, then it's pretty much over. And so that was very nice. It was just really nice to see the offense in such a flow without De'Aaron Fox and not turning the ball over because that's usually a big problem without Fox and the bench unit is usually a big problem without Fox and they held their own even without Sabonis so that was big. Also just Kevin Herter developing into a playmaker and a guy who can get a shot off the dribble I mean, that's huge because sometimes I forget how young Kevin Herter is, but I think he's like 24, right? He's only like two years older than Keegan Murray. And I mean, this whole team is just young other than Barnes. So to be the third seed, a half game back of the second seed now with such a young team, that that's pretty cool because so many of these guys can grow still. And Herter being one of them, Keegan, like, if one of these guys develops into a third star, then that is where this team can become truly like dangerous title contenders, like one move away type type contenders. Or Davion Mitchell developing a, an offensive game. Like when Davion gets starter minutes, he does tend to have good offensive games. Uh, there was one example where that was not true. But a lot of times when he gets the minutes, he does put up good stats efficiently, usually. And so it's just, can he do it in a bench role? Because obviously there's, there's no shot that he's, you know, getting a starting spot. Like, that's just the way it is. Obviously, when your highest paid player is the point guard, your backup point guard, who's six foot, you're not starting him at shooting guard. So... He's never going to start. So can he become a guy who can reliably run an offense off the bench? Because that would be huge. A guy like Tyus Jones, right? If he could become even just a little bit of that type of playmaker off the bench with his defense, that would be huge for this team. That third quarter run, kind of towards the end of it, I was just thinking they had like 93 points 
at the near the end of the third quarter at one point, and all I could think of was so many times we go on these huge runs or, or scoring runs in the third quarter, and we're around that 90-plus point mark, but the other team is right with us. But it really was the defense that got us the separation in this game. That 2-3 zone was big. So I wonder if that's something we see more of. Also of note is Kessler Edwards did not really get minutes in this game after being really good against Anthony Edwards in that game against the Timberwolves. So I thought maybe he could see some minutes against Brandon Ingram, but he did not. He came in for 0.5 seconds at the end of uh, the third quarter, and then I don't know if he even played in garbage time after that. I don't think he did. So like I said, after the last game, he could see no minutes, and he did see no minutes. So that's a little rough for him after having a really good uh, stint there in the last game, but we'll see if if the Kings are really struggling to contain a single guy, because there was never really a point where they were really struggling to contain a single guy like Brandon Ingram in this game, but if they had been, then I, I think we would have seen him. So if in the future games there's a, a wing player or even a guard who we can't seem to stop, then that's when we'll probably see him. And the last thing I, I'll mention for this game is Delhi shooting threes will never not be hilarious. He went 0 for 3 in this game. He just, he's not afraid to shoot them, and, and he can make them. And he's not, it's not the, he doesn't shoot the worst percentage, but it, it the shot looks so bad. Looking forward to the next game, which is against the New York Knicks. They are on a 10-game winning streak, I think that's right. And they play against Charlotte tomorrow, who is not a good team. So it may be 11. This one is on national television, TNT. Two teams with very similar records, two teams with very similar stories of being not great franchises for the past, I don't even know how many years, and two teams that are finally kind of proving the doubters wrong and being really good this season. So we'll see if De'Aaron Fox is back. Obviously, that's a big deal. I think I, I would guess he would be. But uh, De'Aaron Fox versus Jalen Brunson. Well, I don't know if Jar Jalen Brunson will play either. He's day to day. But uh, we'll see about that. But if they are both playing, that is a fun matchup because two of the most clutch players in the NBA, two of the uh, best guards from the mid-range, they are pretty pretty similar. And I think the Kings will probably struggle to deal with Julius Randle's size because uh, I'm guessing you, you put Harrison Barnes on him, but Harrison Barnes isn't bigger, strong enough to deal with Julius Randle. But I think what the Kings have to do is double Julius Randle when he puts his back to the basket because if you watch Julius Randle play, he is not very aware when he puts his back to the basket. He does not read the floor super well, and I think, and he is pretty susceptible to double teams. Um, and also, whenever you see him in late game situations, it's never pretty. It's just jab, step, jab, step, take a three, 
or put your back to the basket and then the ball is gets knocked away and it's going everywhere but then he picks it up and somehow throws it in like what happened against uh was that against the Celtics or whoever that was against but I I think that the Kings should throw multiple bodies at him because they don't have the individual defender to deal with him if I remember correctly I think the last time the Kings played the Knicks well I remember it was not a fun game and uh, we lost but I think well, I think one of the reasons was because of rebounding. We allowed them to get a lot of offensive rebounds, and I think Jericho Sims was a problem. I think Mitchell Robinson was a problem. I think Hartenstein was a problem. I think all of their bigs were a problem on the glass. And so that is something that the Kings are going to have to do, which I think they've not been great at the last few games, which is team rebounding. Everyone has to contribute to that all the guards have to come in to try to help with the rebounding especially if they are throwing multiple bodies at a guy like Julius Randle then that's probably going to take away one of the bigs from the basket whether that's Sabonis or a guy like Keegan Murray or Harrison Barnes so they're going to need the guards to to contribute on the glass also Davion Mitchell versus Emmanuel quickly should be a fun matchup because Emmanuel quickly has been playing extremely well for the Knicks lately. So I think that will probably be a matchup we see a lot and that should be fun. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the Roll Report. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version of the podcast, make sure to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore the Roll Report. And I will see you guys next time to recap that game against the Knicks. Peace.